Good evening, everyone. Excited to have all of you here this first of our three evenings together. Wonderful crowd. We have a, we have a great privilege here over the next three nights. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about a couple things that most Catholics know a little about. You've seen a little about that in the bulletin articles and other times that you've heard me speak on the topic. But importantly, we're here to give honor and praise to our Blessed Mother. And what you see here is a statue of our Virgin of the Poor. And it, it's an image that was created after the young lady that the Blessed Mother appeared to described her. And uh, she appeared as a, as a mother and when she, she appeared to a 12-year-old girl. And one of the attributes that was noticed as the Blessed Mother appeared was her mothering nature. So she invited the girl out. She had this huge smile on her face and she invited the girl out of the house and then ultimately invited her to a spring where it was the spring of grace. So the image of you can have, if you will, of a mother sort of encouraging her children to come out and come toward her and to receive the blessings that she has is the image that I'd like maybe to paint in your mind as we get started. She is inviting us, our Blessed Mother is inviting us to participate in a real unique way. We'll get to know her better over the next three nights and we'll certainly get to know a man that came quickly thereafter, Father Dan will, will uh, get into that later, Father Eloisha Swartz. I should uh, maybe point out that uh, this apparition, as we've all discovered, is not very well known. The apparition of our Blessed Mother at Beno when she characterized herself or described herself as the Virgin of the Poor. But as I've learned more about these apparitions, what I've learned is that there's one thing that's common with every apparition that's ever occurred, that's ever appeared, that's ever been approved by the Vatican. And that one common thing is that she always points to her son. So we are uh, going to do the same this evening. Father Dan and the Sisters of Mary uh, responded to the Virgin of the Poor. She invited those to pray and to always uh, commit their lives to her son. So we're gonna start this evening by exposing the Blessed Sacrament the Blessed Sacrament will be in place, obviously, all the while Tom, uh, Father Dan is speaking. So I invite you to kneel now, please. Lord Jesus, present in the Eucharist, I ask your permission to offer this meditation. We come tonight seeking to know your mother in a more fulfilling way. Who better to teach us about you than the one who carried you for nine months? Open our minds, our hearts, send the fire of the Holy Spirit into this community that we may understand more profoundly the mystery of your love for us and the love for the poor. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. 
Our Lady, Virgin of the Poor, Saint Joseph, Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Please be seated, folks. So with your permission, Lord, if this is your first experience for a mission, it really comes from the word to be sent, to go forth. Simply in these three nights, I'll try to unpack for you a practical experience of the Blessed Mother, your helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and also hopefully uncovering in your hearts with the grace of the Holy Spirit, something that the Lord wants to bring out, the Lord wants to shine his love on, or even more profoundly, even the Lord wants to heal. As I mentioned this morning, I'm the youngest of the 12 pregnancies and getting the background of where I come from helps you to understand a little bit about um, my image of Our Lady. My mother, as I mentioned, having had six babies miscarry, carried a, a heavier heart than normal because at that time, nothing was really ever spoken about that um, experience. And so inherently, deeply, probably within the, my mother's heart, she's gone home to the Lord, was probably this shame that went with the loss of each child. I think that as I begin this talk with you tonight is to begin now to look at Our Lady no longer as just sort of this stationary plastic image, but to look at her as a woman that <clears throat> enters into the suffering and pain of each one of us. I think in some respects as Catholics we've done a beautiful job in honoring her as our mother, as the mother of the Redeemer, as John Paul called her. But we've also done a pretty good job of just superstitiously sort of touching her feet as we walk by, and forgetting that she is a mother that is uh, alive. Maybe she is the, I was taught in the seminary, the the great Dormition when Mary, sinless, was assumed into heaven. My point in the beginning of this mission is to put before you the idea, what is your relationship with Our Lady? Truly encouraging you to take away the most beautiful aspect of this, this mission, excuse me, is to inspire you to go and recognize that this woman is alive. This woman is present. This woman is interceding. And she has a role in everybody's life. And so I'd like to begin first these three nights. I'm going to focus a little bit on baptism and its significance. I'm going to journey with you and talk about the Eucharist, talking even about forgiveness. I'm going to do it through the prism of Our Lady's eyes and also through the work of what I do. And after about four hours, you can go home. <laughs> Did I say four hours? I meant 45 minutes, anyway. So one thing that's very significant in, work, in the work I do, and I'll weave in this experience, is that the majority of the young people that I help to serve 
have no idea of their identity as a child of God. In the scripture, at the baptism of Jesus Christ, when Jesus comes out of the water, God the Father speaks profoundly and says, this is my beloved son. That identity as a beloved son carried him through his experiences of his missionary work for those three years. <clears throat> when he left Mama's side and went off and began to preach. I'm finding that one of the hardest um, steps in the healing process for the young people and maybe even for the sisters is answering the question, who am I? Who am I? And I pose the same question to you. If I greet you outside or if I greet you somewhere along the road or if I even see you at Dewey's Pizzeria, who are you? What would your response be? You can certainly tell me what you do. You can certainly tell me what your vocation is. I'm a mother. I'm a father, I'm, I, I'm a religious or a priest. Who am I? Let's start with the foundational understanding of who you are. I am a beloved son or daughter of God. I am a beloved son. Beloved is one who is being loved. It's a passive voice. I am beloved. I find that no matter how hard I try to introduce Our Lady to the young people or even encourage the sisters to really take her by the hand, if she doesn't know who she is, it's a very, very complicated conversation. Who am I? I'm not asking you who you are now. I'm not even asking you what you did with your life or what you do. But the most important day of your life was when you were baptized. Not when you got married or when your first child came along or you graduated college. None of that. The most important day of your life was the day you became a Christian, a Christ-bearer of one who is like Mary. What is, excuse me, who is Mary? She is the one who carried Christ. She is the one that formed him under her maternal heart. What I want to drive home now is this, is that on the day of your baptism, you became a Christ-bearer a little Christian. Catherine Doherty, who wrote some very beautiful books, she was involved with Madonna House. And she wrote a book called Dear Father, Dear Seminarian. She wrote some, she has this beautiful Christmas card, which is Joseph leading a donkey, and on top of the donkey is a little tabernacle. The tabernacle is the image of Mary. Each of you, if, we, if you understand your identity, <clears throat> you, 
you will understand very profoundly and significantly that I am a child of God. So therefore, therefore, no matter what I've gone through in my life, I've never gone through it alone. No matter what you've gone through in life, cancer, trial, difficulty, stuff that you wish you could forget, but somehow you can't, you never went through it alone. If you can just receive those words tonight, no matter how old you were, no matter where you were, you never went through it alone. Because so profoundly and so strongly, most of the young people that I deal with very clearly tell me, Father, where was God when I went through what I went through? I'm sad to say that a very high percentage of my young people have been through trauma and abuse to the tune of 60% in some countries. And I won't describe the abuse, but it's the kind of abuse that would make you mad. And inevitably, constantly, they will ask me, okay, Father, where was God? Where was God? I understand the question, and I actually really love the question because they're so mad that they're articulating the question, where was God? So therefore, there's something of God moving in them to ask the question because they wanted him there by their side. But it becomes a challenge to lead them immediately to God, depending on how they experience their pain. So what is the easiest channel? Through the mother. Sometimes the easiest process of bringing somebody to begin the healing process is to really ask them to turn and ask them to ask Our Lady, Mary, in the very words of Mother Teresa, be a mother to me now. Simply inviting the Blessed Mother to be that mother image, that mother presence, begins to break the statue, that image of the statue that they have. Mexico is predominantly a Catholic country in some respects, but it's matriarchal. And so it's a very, even though it has its own machismo, the woman is often the guiding force of the household. So many of them grow up with a strong mother. Sometimes with a mother that's maybe a little too strong or too protective, but that may depend on her own experience in her formative years. But the point is that in order for us to draw ever more profoundly and more deeply into the relationship of Jesus Christ, and to really know our own poverty, I propose to you tonight to begin to look and say, 
Who is this woman in my spiritual life? Will she greet me at the door of heaven? Will I see her by the throne of God? Will I listen to her voice when I come before the Lord God on my judgment day? Who is this woman? Father Al Schwartz, who founded the Sisters of Mary, a little bit more about his background, ordained in 57 and goes over to Korea. But before he had been there, he studied in Europe and studied a lot, um, excuse me, he went to Belgium and Louvain. He doesn't write explicitly that Our Lady appeared to him, but it seems very, very clear that he encountered Our Lady at the, in Belgium at the chapel of Our Lady Virgin of the Poor. This is the image that the sisters use to, as their guide in their spiritual life, Our Lady Virgin of the Poor. And so who is this virgin? She appeared about 91 years ago, 89 years ago, 90 years to a little child, a 12-year-old, and appeared eight times. And in those short apparitions approved by John Paul, Pope John Paul, she spoke very beautifully about three things. First, to pray much. The last apparition, she said, pray much, very much. Second, she spoke very beautifully about her love for the suffering. She said to, that she is a virgin mother who loves suffering, who loves the sick. And thirdly, she always, in one of her apparitions, she said, I want a chapel built in honor of her son to hold the Eucharist, to celebrate Mass. Let's unpack those if we can. First, we recognize that, and I'll go backwards, Our Lady immediately speaks of her son. To Mariette, in the third apparition, she said, build a chapel. Why? To love her son in the Eucharist. The greatest way to come to know our love for Our Lady is to really recognize Jesus Christ present in the Blessed Sacrament. At a time in the church, at a time when everything is so loud, at a time in the culture where, you, where we don't know what is true and not, mixed messages constantly, I'm imploring you to hold on to Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament to use your adoration chapel as often as you can, to keep your friend, Jesus Christ, company. Retired or not, really what we need are people visiting the Blessed Sacrament. When I was in the seminary, this was just part of my training. The chapel was in the center of the building, go back and forth to classes, and my spiritual director said, make a visit. That was the saying back then, still is. Make a visit, and I would. 
And between each class, it's also because I didn't really want to go to class, but anyway, that's not the point. And don't use that against me. I would make a short visit to the Blessed Sacrament. I'd like to tell you that during the most formative time and the most difficult times when I thought, I'm out of here, this idea of the priesthood is crazy town. Every time I went to the Blessed Sacrament, well, little did I know, God was forming something stronger and stronger in my heart. Christ doesn't come out of the tabernacle to say, come and see me. He simply invites you. I'm inviting you. On behalf of Jesus Christ, present in the Blessed Sacrament, visit him as much as you can. It's what we need. Second, Our Lady talked about the need to care for the suffering and the, the sick and the poor. Part of Father Al's theological foundation is he read the scriptures constantly. And all he asked himself is, what, did, what was the choice of Jesus? I want you to hold that in your heart as well. What was his choice? So he chose to be born poor. He chose to die poor. He chose to live poor as well in between. But when I read Father Al's writings, I began to think, I don't really want to ask myself that question. Because as a diocesan priest, I wasn't living fat, but I certainly wasn't living as sacrificial as I should be. And so I read these words of Father Al about the choice of Jesus Christ for the poor, the choice for his poverty, and it began to really get under my skin. This is more of a self-confession than anything. And I began to realize, how can I live better than my Savior? So I had to reorient my mind had to think differently about parish life. I had to think differently about my own spiritual, personal life. I began to evaluate things on my own level. Do I need or do I want? A million questions hit my tiny little brain. But something began to happen as I began to experience a deeper freedom in my heart. And that's what oriented me more towards loving the poor and loving the poverty of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. It's true to say that Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in the very simple presentation of the bread, is a very simple form of poverty. He could be so much grander in the way he presents himself in the Eucharist but he chooses not to be so. He chooses to be simple bread, his presence fully there, so that those who struggle with their faith will never feel afraid, will never feel undignified. I see that even with the children. They look at me as if I'm better. Oh, you're a priest, you're an American. You say, time out, 
I'm the same sinner as you. I just got more years of sin in me. My point is, is that Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist is an invitation for you to come with your poverties, to come with your struggles and your sufferings, to come with the greatest trials that go on in your life and to say, Lord, I come before you and I bring my suffering. Fritz Eichenberg wrote a very beautiful black and white, uh, drew a very beautiful black and white silhouette. It's called Christ in the Breadline. It's very profound. You can Google it. Christ in the Breadline. And all you have is this, these dark figures sort of with a very, very bright back, white background. And it's just this line of men making their way forward, like in their way to, to eat at a, at a soup kitchen. And you just have sort of these homeless figures with their clothes rumpled, so to speak. And right in the middle is a silhouetted image of what appears to be Jesus Christ. Christ in the bread lines. The last form of the, present, uh, the third presence, so she asked for the chapel, she asked for them to understand suffering, and then third was to pray much. What I would like you to think about as well is that when Our Lady asks us to pray, most of us immediately go to the rosary and say, I got it, I'll pray the rosary. The rosary is the foundational ladder to Jesus Christ through Our Lady. It's our go-to to encounter the Blessed Mother. But I can tell you also that there are many other ways that you can go to her. A simple consecration, a visit to the image, the Sanctuary of Life statue that's off to my left outside. But I remember when I was a little boy and my nieces and nephews, the grandkids, would do their grandma birthday cards and make her a happy birthday card. Some of the most beautiful artwork ended up on the refrigerator door was grandma who had a square head, right? Or grandma who somehow the dog was bigger than grandma. We, had a, we didn't have a dog, but the grandchild wanted us to have a nine-foot dog at that time. And I remember my mom would take the picture and she would look at it and she'd say, oh, that's so perfect. I love my brown hair. She had totally gray hair at this point. And mom would look at it and laugh and say, wow, this is going on the refrigerator. It would stay there until we got sick of it, right? I think that we have to look more at Our Lady to use the formal devotional prayer as we know, as we've been taught, but also look at her really as a mother. Look at her as a mother who is alive, who is really suffering because her spiritual sons and daughters, you and I, are also suffering. Don't look, her, look at her as an unaffected mother 
as a mother that doesn't care. Don't look at her as somebody whose ears are closed, who's too busy to hear your cry or your suffering. Look at her as a mother that knows the pain just to the best of your ability, whether you're a mother or father, know the pain and suffering of your sons and daughters or nieces and nephews. She is not a distant mother. She is a mother that enters the pain because by our baptisms, when Mary looks at us, she sees the presence of her son. When Mary looks at us, she doesn't see the outside brokenness that we often think about. She sees that very small presence of Christ in each one of us. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter the history of your sinfulness. Mary is drawn to the ones who are most broken, most difficult. You know this story, that child or grandchild or niece or nephew that always seems to foul up something as much as you want to let them have it. They're also the ones that you worry about the most. That's the sign of Our Lady. That's more than just your heart. That's why I think Our Lady is very much drawn to the poor. She's drawn to them because she sees in them her own poverty and her own suffering. Our Lady was a very, came from, was a very simple child, probably a very poor family. And yet she did something very profound that every one of us can do. She simply said yes to the Lord. What is the Lord asking of you at this time in your life? What is he inspiring you to look at more profoundly? How is he asking you to go more deeply into an experience in your life so that you can better understand her son? I'll make a few comments and then we'll have some time of silent adoration. What is Our Lady first asking you to examine in relationship to your family? Is she asking you to look more profoundly at some aspect of suffering or pain in your life? Is she asking you to forgive someone? Is she asking you to do something for others? And you keep saying, when, where? What is she asking you to do? If you dispose yourself to her, she is speaking. But you really have to have a silent heart. You have to have a heart that's listening to her son. You have to be a man or a woman <clears throat> that's open to the will of God. Second, is there somebody in your life that's really suffering at this time when they feel totally alone? Introduce Our Lady to, her, to them. 
Tell them that Our Lady was at the foot of the cross. Remind them, even though it sounds awkward or nobody wants to listen or you sound like a pious old religious person, remind them. Our Lady understands your pain. If you have a friend whose kids are suffering, remind them. She understands. If your grandkids are going through something, tell your kids. She understands. One of the greater struggles that's happened in our culture these last years is that we forgot the strength of a devout, of, a, of the presence of Mary. We have to go back to her because she will always lead us to her son. We might have grown up with devotions. We might have grown up with May crownings. All of that I did in my parish, and I still do it in Mexico and Brazil. I do all of that. And it's beautiful stuff. But I've got to tell them that Mary is, a, is alive. And she's present. The last thing, just to be clear, she's not just some sweet virgin woman. She's fierce. She's a strong woman. She's, a, she's one who protects. And so the way we may want to look at her is, wow, how sweet, how beautiful. I'd rather face a mother bear than Mary because she's strong. She's stronger than any woman. But what she did was so profoundly confusing. Why did she allow him to carry the cross? Why didn't she simply just say, I'll take the cross? It's hard to know. Let us take a few minutes just to meditate. And then at the end of that, I'll take time to repose the Blessed Sacrament. Be happy to hear confessions after the night. But tonight, let's start with the basic foundation. You have a mother. And you received her on the day of your baptism. And no matter how rotten you've been, no matter how much suffering you've gone through, you have a mother. And this mother will never die. And no matter what you go through, she's always present. O Mary, Virgin of the poor, pray for us. How about a nice hand for Father Dan? Thank you, Father, for that very inspiring talk. I don't have much, just a couple things to point out to you. Is that, as Father mentioned in his talk, is that to be able to really understand totally the apparition of the Blessed Mother and then how it was interiorized by Father Al in his life, you have to read two books. I would strongly encourage you to read two books that are back there.
One is called Our Life in Christ, which is a summary of all of his teachings and essentially what he asked the Sisters of Mary to meditate on as they go through their novitiate. That's one book. And the other book is about poverty, a sign of our times. And those two books contain the most telling information about what it is that touched Father Al as a result of his visiting the shrine of, of, of Benoit. In my own journey, it wasn't until that I read those books that I had the same experience that Father Dan did, and that it touched my heart in a way that I never thought before. 